Betterment. Yes, the largest and fastest growing automated investing service designed with revolutionary technology to promote smarter investing, better returns, and to minimize your taxes now, later, and throughout retirement. Betterment, investing made better. Get up to six months free by visiting Betterment.com slash money. And if you love this show, you will go to Betterment.com slash money and sign up today. So let's get this show started. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Listen Money Matters. Spenders gonna spend. Savers gonna save. But baby, I'm just gonna shake, shake, shake over to Betterment. My name is Matt, and I'm here, as always, with Andrew. Andrew... How are you, and what are you drinking? Damn good, man. Yes. I'm just uh, just drinking water. I'm like right at the cusp of if it is socially acceptable to drink a beer. Mm-hmm. So uh, just got my, because got my it's, back. Because it's noon. Because it's noon, right? So it has noon. to like broach noon. Maybe it has to be like past 12.15. I mean, yeah. That's the cutoff. Yeah, you have to give yourself that cushion. That's right. So like exactly at 11.59, you're like, give me a beer. I'm, I'm drinking at lunch, but it's like a slightly later lunch. Yeah, so that, that's reasonable. Yeah, I am also drinking water since it is noon, noon o'clock. Ah, uh, so yeah, not beer yet, but it will be soon. Uh, mm. today's catchphrase is "spenders gonna spend, savers gonna save." But baby, I'm just gonna shake, shake, shake over to Betterment, and that was sent to us by CC from Facebook. So thank you, CC, and uh, we you can send it to us via Facebook. It's facebook.com/slash Listen Money Matters. Or you can send them to us through our Twitter account, which is at Money Matters Man. And uh, yeah, that's a good one. I like that one. Uh, today we have a guest on the show, my buddy and friend. <laughs> we, we've hung out a few times in New York. Well, one time in New York and one time in New Orleans. And uh, today we have Larry Ludwig on the show, and he's from InvestorJunkie.com and moneytreepodcast.com so he's a podcast and you're gonna hear in three seconds how wonderful his voice sounds so welcome to the show larry howdy hi guys oh, so <clears throat> so good and of course uh i guess one of the questions i asked you guys before i got into the podcast is what should i be drinking you know what uh yes. what do you recommend as far as a like a wine do you recommend a certain ale a I, stout i you know well do you want a wine or do you want a beer um more of a beer man beer man yeah uh, this time of year, I go for a darker beer. Um, I'm actually more of a dark beer drinker. So, you know, Oktoberfest is good. Malty brown owls are good in malty. If you want something like really dark, a porter or a stout. Uh, I'm trying to think no, specifically though. No pumpkin though. I, I was gonna say mine would have been pumpkin. I think that was like a unanimous uh, dude. You just pop it open and the aroma. <laughs> Of yeah. the beer itself, I, I just was smelling it for the like half the time. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm definitely uh, I don't I like to I don't go overboard on the pumpkin beers this time of year, but yes, they are a very oh, malty do. malty beer and uh, very sweet beer. So if you if you're into that, yeah, I had a pumpkin beer over the weekend. I had a smutty nose, I believe it was. And it was very good. It was very good. High in alcohol, it was like eight percent, so it was a good one. Wow. Yeah. So uh, besides beer. Uh, we're, we had you on the show because we want to talk about, uh, some tax benefits to investing and yeah, here's the thing. I have no clue what to do. I, this is my first year investing really. I mean, in, on a, on a grand scale and I'm as a, as a self-employed human, I'm a little bit of a, I'm a little bit afraid 
a lot afraid. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a scaredy cat when it comes to the tax season. I don't know what I'm in for. So I was hoping maybe you can enlighten me on some of the, you know, things that I could do. Especially, be, now, see, Andrew uh, has been investing for a while. He has a job. So do you get money back, Andrew? Do you get a return? Uh, you get a return, right? I do get a return. It's measured in... Uh, the amount of money I get back compared to what I pay, it's it's disgusting. So I do get money back, but uh, I'm not exactly celebrating it. Yeah. 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 And and for the last like three or four years, I've been paying taxes, and I feel like this year I've made more this year than I have as a self-employed person. Uh, so I definitely will be paying more in taxes. And I. Mm, well, do you have an accountant yourself or do you do it yourself? Uh, I have an accountant that does the – this just files the taxes for me. So I pay about 200 bucks, and he just kind of asks me a couple of questions and that's about it. Yeah. I mean in my case with my business uh, for now 15 years, I mean I've, ultimately I've had my accountant for that term as well. But it just makes more sense where it, for me to do it myself would be just too complicated. Yeah. There's too many – I have like and, – and at the time I had a job, like a regular job, and then I had my business. So I had to do two forms – or now I just have to do one, I think. Yeah, I mean, ultimately with most people, if they have they work for an employee, or their employee, I should say, they, they're best off using like a Quicken or TurboTax, I should yeah, say. Yeah, some sort of, some program, because you can, you can do that. But yeah. what are, uh, see now, this is where I get, it gets confusing when it comes to the investment stuff. So I can tell you, to make it simple, I use, all I have right now is a Betterment account. And that's it. So I, I don't know if that's, a write-off? I guess it isn't. No, I mean, ultimately, one of the things we we actually talked privately, I know at one point as well, that if you're really thinking as far as the business is, this is not, this is kind of a sidetrack as well from what sure. we we're going to talk about. But you should probably have a solo 401k. Yeah. Where you can put up to, depending on far, as far as how much you generate in income in the business and how much you generate as a salary for yourself, you can put up to, this this year, 52000 I believe is the Oh, really? Amount. Yeah. Oh, in a solo, you can do that much. Oh yeah, you can put as far as you can put seventeen five with your employee comp- contributions, and then as far as a profit sharing, you can put the rest amount of the that amount into the four hundred one k. Oh, and then so wow. all right, if I do that, if I yep. set up a solo four hundred one k, now do you have any specific companies that you recommend to do that through? I mean, I like Fidelity, but Vanguard would do it as well. Oh really? Yeah, both. Oh. Okay. I don't think Betterman offers solo four hundred one k. No, though. they don't. They have IRAs, but. Yes. So okay, um, so I should probably do that. I mean, depend. It, of course, it's a. It's I think twenty percent of your salary. So if, in other words, if you only make a hundred thousand dollars, you can only put twenty percent of that as far as into this four hundred one k. Yeah, definitely don't make that much. But Larry, as far as what? let me ask you though, because uh, I do. I you know I'm, I'm the other half of Listen Money Matters, but I also do have a job, and I have a four hundred one k through there. Can I do a solo four hundred one k because I'm doing this side hustle thing? I believe there's a limit. You have to look it up in the IRS documents. I believe, going off the top of my head, there's a limit of the maximum you can di- contribute is 52000 total, I believe. Okay. Mm. So ultimately, I mean, what happens, you can also elect not to contribute to your, your employer as well and put it into your solo 401k. I mean, they ultimately, don't a match. Yeah. Mm. I mean, what, if they don't have a match or if the, the options as far as what's invested – is uh, available stinks and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I would do your own solo four hundred one k because ultimately you can pick your own funds and be your own manager. Right. True. Yeah. And see, so but all right. So if I were to put uh, a decent amount of my income into a solo four hundred one k, and I can do that right before December, right? Oh yeah. Okay. So it's, I mean, you have there's a there's a little bit more complicated. It's more a little bit more complicated than a traditional four hundred one k for your employer in that you have to set up tax forms. 
to uh, be compliant and all that stuff. Yes. And so it's a little bit more complicated, but you can ultimately, in fact, actually you can contribute to the profit sharing. You have to, the employee part, you have to contribute this year. So, for, or, or when you actually file, file your taxes, which is up to uh, April 15, 2015 in this case. Yes. Where then, as far as your profit sharing, that could be up to October 15, 2015. Mm. So, and if I do that, like let's say if I, any money that I put in this 401k, that isn't, ta- they can't, it can't be taxed on that. Well, it's, it's tax deferred. I mean, ultimately, any of the stuff that we're going to be talking sure. about today is tax deferred. It's not taxable at the moment. It's just delayed. It's not avoided. Right. So if I made $50,000 this year and I put 20% of that into, uh, you know. Solo 401k. Sure. Then that means I, my taxable income is 20% lower. Yep. So I, that could put me in a, in a lower tax bracket and that also could save me a bunch of money. Exactly. Okay. That is something I probably need to do, like ASAP. Now, I mean, you can do with the, like a SEP IRA as well. It's a little bit simpler to set up what, initially. A, a SEP IRA? Yeah, SEP, S-E-P. Which is? Uh, single employer pension, I believe. Okay. And that you can contribute more than a regular Roth IRA? You can do, well, no, you can do, yeah, you can do more than a Roth IRA, and it's very similar to a solo 401k. And I believe it's the same dollar amount of 52000 oh, But ultimately, okay. all... Ultimately, in the end, yeah. Ultimately, yeah. it's best to probably do a solo four hundred one k if you're making a decent amount of money. Oh, it's fifty two hundred. Fifty two thousand for 000. the IRA. Well, oh, for, for the I. For yeah. Oh wait, wait so the IRA is also fifty two thousand. Yes, the sub oh, IRA wow. is up Damn. to fifty two thousand for the year. That that really is food for thought right there because uh, I was under the impression that the limit was like right around that five thousand mark, but I guess that's no. to do it. Uh, Step well, IRA that's that's like a Roth yeah. or something. It, it's not it's, the same as a Roth. It's it's more like a traditional IRA, except the limit is much higher because if you're a single, you're it's for your company. Right, mm. right, right. Okay, and you can do up to fifty two thousand. I just double checked. Yeah, I did too. I, I it's uh, that's something I'm gonna have to I'm gonna definitely have to do. So, all right, and we so we want to get into sort of some of the ways that you can like tax tricks, I guess, when it comes to investing. Yeah. So what I mean, do we ultimately what? I mean, one of the things we're going to talk about, and we, we can reference as far as in the show notes, as far as the uh, article I have on my site, is really an order to deposit your, your retirement accounts and as far as to be more, the most tax efficient. Uh-huh. And ultimately, the order comes down to eight steps. And those steps are really, first, you should probably do your 401k first for your employer. Yes. Up to the matching amount. Next, if you, if you qualify, do a traditional IRA. Uh, after that, why a traditional over? Oh, we'll go, I mean, are you going to say a Roth after that? Uh, well, if you don't qualify, if if you have make too much money, then yeah, a Roth IRA is an option you can put there instead. Okay. Uh, next, then backfill your four hundred one k. Ah, okay. And then I have a step four. If you don't qualify for a traditional, uh, you know, move that to step two. But if you do, you may want to do a Roth IRA. Mm-hmm. In combination, you can do both. Mm-hmm. Uh, next, do five twenty nine accounts, which are for uh, higher education. Uh, what if you don't have children? Can you do that? You can do it. You can do it for yourself. I mean, you can deposit into a five twenty nine account for yourself huh. or for have, say a, a family. I have member. questions around the the five twenty nine because uh, you know I, I've read some stuff and it, and it feels like it's not as great a thing as as it does on on the face. Like it depends for, on the state, of course. Yeah, so so from my understanding, you could say live in New Jersey, and I don't know if this is necessarily New Jersey's thing, but um, you you would buy your 
you sign up for your 529 in New Jersey, but then you might not be able to apply to the college that your kid goes to in Colorado. That's not true. It's any for any higher education. It, so what happens is you may even not if it's qualify. out of state. Yeah, I mean, you can, for example, my state, New York, you can deposit, uh, you can put into a 529 account up to 10000 and get deducted as a, as a couple that amount onto your state taxes. Whereas if I put into, say, Virginia, as another example, I would not qualify for that tax deduction. So if you put it into your New York 529, right? And by put in, you mean you're saving for yes. this future kid that goes to school. Yeah. Then uh, you have this kid and they do go to school, but it's in Colorado. Um, it still qualifies, you're saying. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, too, keep in mind, if, if you plan on getting married or don't even have a child yet, you still can create a 529 account for that future child. You well, can always reassign that account to whoever. And what happens if you don't, if you end up uh, being sterile or you can't have a kid? <laughs> you have or, or your kid doesn't go to school. What yeah, happens or doesn't, is then you can withdraw it, but you take a penalty. I believe it's 10%. Okay. Like a, like a traditional early retirement. If you retire early and withdraw from, a, say, a, a 401k, you have to get a 10% penalty. Can you roll it into a Roth or something? Ah, uh, that's a good question. I don't know about that. Okay. That's all right. So I, I just, I mean, ultimately most people know they want to have children and, sure. and if they're going to have children, they want to, you know, pay for their, some way their higher education. So sure. therefore 529 makes sense even before they're born. Right. So, so, okay. Larry, if you'd put money in, <clears throat> say you, you put, you know, you're diligent, you put like $2,000 in or no, I don't know, $5,000 in every year that your kid was alive until they were ready to go to school. Um, and that, that was like the base that you contributed, but then also it's going to grow at the market. So you could potentially dramatically overshoot the amount needed. And then, you know, you pay for your kid's entire education and the remainder you're then penalized on? Or no, is there well, any way could, to. If you had another child, you can always assign it to the other child as well. So you're not stuck in that spend, or even to grandchildren for that matter, or other relatives if, for that matter, if you're really, really stuck as far as paying the penalty instead. Ah, uh, so, okay. So you could. Worst uh, case is you pay it doesn't the have penalty. to be yeah. your kid. It doesn't have to be your kid. It could be any kid. For that oh. Matter. So like if my brother has a kid, it's my nephew, I can... You can assign it to that oh. child. Interesting. But yeah, you don't you have to... I mean, my, my um, in-laws or outlaws, as I like to call them, <laughs> uh, to, you know, have 529 accounts for my children and they do it, you know, they deposit it once a month. Oh, interesting. And they, yeah. and they do that because that helps them tax season. Well, I mean, they do it. Obviously, they they care about my children. But I'm saying as a <laughs> right as a side benefit. I mean, it that's helps. what they tell you. No sure, words. exactly. They they want the tax benefit. Yeah, the side. Yeah, the side benefit is that. So, all right. So there's there's those three or four things, and I just feel like, but that's okay. I mean, obviously, it depends on your priorities. I mean, ultimately, what I say in this article is, you have to know what your goals are. I mean, if you're you don't ever have a plan on having children or go to higher education, then putting a five twenty nine account is kind of stupid. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really depends on your goals and what, you're, what you want out of life. I mean, so in other words, if you're trying to save for, say, a house, yes. you're best off putting it into taxable accounts now because that's a short-term goal than, say, your 401k. Gotcha. I, I want to go back to the, the 529 real quick because we actually get like a lot of questions on this, um, and, and I'm curious. So you, you put into your 529. It, from my understanding, it reduces your taxable income. It, well, it depends on the state. Not every state is tax deductible, and it's only ah. state taxes, not federal taxes. Ah, okay. It's tax, it's tax deferred, and when you actually use it for higher, higher education, you do not pay taxes on it, but it's not, it's not tax deferred at the federal level. So, but it's let like me a ask, IRA. Yes. But, and so this, this is the, the piece that I want to uh, be sure on, because 
the Roth IRA, when you reach the the certain age that they've determined, 55 or, or whatever, you can then just pull out of it and there's like no penalty and you're good. Does the 529 apply to the same rules? So like my kids uh, go through college. I have a little bit of leftover. You know, Matt's kids need to go to college, but I say, fuck you, Matt. I don't want to help your kids. Yes. Can I withdraw the money and take it myself at 55? Um. Well, again, you can take it – if it's not used for higher education, you have to pay a penalty regardless. Oh, no matter, matter what age. age. Okay. But as, far as, ah, okay. as far as the child is concerned, I think there is an age restriction. I think you have to be 18 or older. I think. I'm not totally okay. sure on that one. And then you can probably give it to any kid, right? So if you're just – you know, maybe it's your neighbor's kid. Walking down well, the street. You, yeah, like, you hey, really, kid, $10,000? <laughs> yeah. Hey, start a scholarship <laughs> fund, you know? <laughs> well, I don't know. If, scholarship, not per se. But no, yeah, but you, right. could, you could actually give it to some other relative instead. Like a donate. Yeah. I also just want to mention that if you say that to a kid on the street, you will probably get arrested. So mm. don't do that. Mm. <laughs> All right. So what's the, what's, the, what's the next steps there? Well, the next step, what I do is after that, recommend doing USI savings bonds. They're really boring, of course, and most people don't know about them. But they're something that matches the rate of inflation every year and grow tax deferred. So in other words, there's those stupid little things you probably got as a child, the little I-bonds. Oh, yeah, like the savings bonds. Yeah, the savings bonds. They're, they're, they're I-bonds nowadays, and they're all electronic, except if you want to um, do it as far as a tax return. Instead of getting money, you can put it into an I-bond, and it allows you to a way of pushing more into an I-bond by instead of the, the $10,000 federal limit per Social Security number. So you can do up to $15,000 per well, social security number. Larry, this will yeah. only match inflation. It will never grow beyond inflation. Yeah, I mean, you don't look at it as a way to beat beat the market, so to speak. You're, yeah. you're, matching, you're basically trying to keep up what, what measures the CPI, the you know, cost uh, consumer price index, and ultimately keep up with inflation, hopefully, if they measure it properly. That's the, the caveat, of course. So, so it's like a glorified. It's like the more sophisticated shoving money into your mattress approach. But how do how do you gain on taxes with it? Like, how does it benefit you from that end? While it's growing in interest, it's growing tax deferred. So, no, you do not pay taxes. Unlike, say, a CD every year, you to pay. You have to pay taxes on the interest accrued. You do not pay taxes until you cash it out. And the oh, other okay, benefit- so if you were going to use like a savings account, you might as well just you know put in an I bonds. Because then you're not going to pay inter- or, or taxes on the interest. You're not paying taxes until you actually cash it out. And what a lot of people do is they use it as a way to for emergency savings. Or they can, it's multi-purpose. The whole idea of I-bonds is it can be multi-purpose. And you're not locked into a term with this, right? Like you, you can are put locked, it well, – you are. You, you can, well, you can pretty much sell immediately, but you pay a penalty. You pay three months penalty up to the first year, I believe. Mm. I think after that, after the first year, you're, you're pen- you do not pay a penalty. All right. So what I'm hearing is all of these are – what's a tax shelter? Is this a tax shelter? It, well, it's not formally a tax shelter. It's right. not something like you have to sign up and get your accountant to do it. You can do it through the U.S. Treasury website and just set up you know, an account. Okay. So you're not getting those paper bonds anymore. They're, well, the only way they offer paper bonds, as I alluded before, is right now by, per Social Security, uh, you have $10,000 limit per year. I think it's important to note, though, that your money is not uh, – technically, it's not growing in the uh, you know savings I-bond because it's just matching inflation. So every day it is worth just what it's worth. Yeah, I mean ultimately with any – I tried at least with my savings in general, try to keep up – at least the security stuff, try to keep up with inflation, any type of fixed income. Sure. I'm trying to make sure at minimum keep up with inflation. Which you're not going to get it with a regular savings account. Right now, or CDs for the most part. No. Yeah, right. 
So I bonds have, and not only that, but they don't, they're not susceptible to called interest rate risk. So in other words, if we have, say, a deflation, they still stay at zero. They never go negative. Hmm. Unlike, say, a, a ETF bond mm-hmm. fund could go actually negative and have negative return. Uh, I mean, you get a little bit more technical. It depends on how much you want to go into this stuff. But with I bonds, the first thing is you have a $10,000 limit per year. You have another $5,000 you can get as far as tax return per year. So it's maximum $15,000 per Social Security number. And what happens is you do have a minimum. You have to own them for a year before you can start cashing them out. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, you keep them for up to 20, 20 years tax deferred. You right. can just use them as a, you know, I, what I use them for is a way of, to keep some sort of emergency savings. Yeah, and all of these things that, I mean, because there's still more, but all of these things you'd want to put money into so that your taxable income is lower at the end of the year. Well, or or the any type of gains you pay are lower as well. So keep in mind, right now we're at the point where it's not like you're, what you're depositing defers your existing income. It's deferring any income you generate from that savings. So we're at the point with I savings bonds is you don't save any money to put in the put into an I savings bond. You save money by the, any interest accrued every year. Okay. So you're, you're minimizing your income over the long haul, not this current year. Got it. But that's the Whereas, that's the goal is to minimize your income. Yeah, I mean, you're well, you're minimizing your your income you're generating from dividends, if you will, in this case. Right. Where okay. a 401k is immediate; it's deferring your existing income. Hmm. So it's a different type of it's a different bucket, if you will. Got it. All right. So what's the next step? Next step is what's called uh, – it's a little bit more advanced, MLPs and muni bonds. And, and these are usually more for the advanced investor and someone who has a decent amount of net worth. But ultimately, MLPs, they're not – most people, uh, ironically, on my website, I had at one point MLPs and it came up My Little Ponies. Of course. And, um, <laughs> You're a brony. I mean, that's, <laughs> people were searching for MLPs. And I'm like, why are they looking for My Little Ponies? And sure enough, there was a – that's the acronym. I, I had no idea. So what, is, what does MLP really stand for? Master Limited Partnerships. <laughs> okay. And it's basically a way to um, – mostly it's used for hauling uh, gas around or, or oil via pipelines. Okay. And by the U.S. government, they, it, it's tax deferred as opposed to – being taxable. So most of the, the actual interest or the dividends that are uh, put on those MLPs are tax deferred. So you, you as a, the actual owner of that, that stock gets deferred taxes on it. Hmm. Muni bonds, of course, are something where a local municipality, you, you invest in, say, New York City, let's say the MCA, and get deferred those taxes. Hmm. And when you say defer those taxes, uh, you mean when you eventually, like, the, it breaches its term? You know, well, even, and, well, like every year, you get you get a dividend for either MLP or a muni bond. So therefore, every year is tax deferred. So you do not pay taxes on any, any gains that you have. I say, but you the, the, but the, the gains come out of the bond. Like you actually get to say spend that. You could. I mean, if you wanted to, you can reinvest it as well. Right. I mean, that's how what you do with it in the end, it's your decision. Sure. With, uh, with an I savings bond, on the other hand, any interest is just yeah accumulated in that account. You could, in theory, with a, a muni bond. Take the cash that you come from it comes from the account every quarter or whatever, and then cash it and use it for whatever. So, so these these muni bonds, um, and I, I read about them and learned about them a while ago, back when we were in like the roaring two thousand seven time. <laughs> but uh, like. Th- I, I had heard of ones that had like seven percent return, and you know, munis will will never you know. Uh, go down because uh, some government something will bail out the other government thing? Like, is, is there any, uh, do they really reach that level of return and, and are they that 
safe because I feel like they should be kind of risky. Well, they're not. Yeah, I mean, not every muni is traded equal, of course. I mean, the first and foremost is if you have a muni bond fund or an ETF, they, of course, can just like normal bond funds can go down if interest rates rise. Mm. So they're not restricted in that sense. Mm-hmm. Honestly, if you, if you really want to own muni bonds, you should have a decent amount of net worth right. and say $200,000 to deposit. And uh, from there, um, what basically... Why do you uh, say that, though? Well, because you can actually buy the funds themselves. If you buy the funds mm. themselves, you're not susceptible to what's called interest rate risk. In other words, if, if rates rise, you're still in the end, you know what you're going to get once the, the bond matures, mm-hmm. where a fund will, can actually have a negative return because of the way, the way it works. Without getting the technical details of the way of a bond fund works, you can actually lose real money because mm-hmm. of the interest rate rises, where a bond fund at the end, you will get what you, you put into it. So, for example, and I know this is not a, a muni bond, but uh, I, I didn't know this about. I, I know that uh, the bond price is, you know, or the, the return rather is inverse to to the interest rate, like the yep. Federal Reserve number. But um, the, the the that's the price, and I thought the yield, whenever you bought it, similar to like a dividend, is kind of locked in. But you're saying that's not the if case. you if you own an actual bond, yes, because if it may vary during the life of the when you own it, but yeah. an actual bond fund. Can actually so, so, if I bought, uh, so if I bought BND, which is like Vanguard's bond index, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, I, I would be susceptible to like negative uh, return and stuff like that. It's very possible, yes. Mm, that's gotcha. why actually uh, companies like Wealthfront, for example, do not own the actual bond fund where Betterment does. They own TIPS, which is another form of like I-bonds where they match the rate of inflation, but they actually do not own any bonds. Hmm. Uh, what's number eight? Number eight is, of course, the last and least. Well, it, it ultimately is taxable accounts where you you're you're trying to invest in stuff you know that's taxable, and in some cases it's actually lower um, interest rates or taxable rates, I should say, than traditional um, when you're depleting, say, your four hundred one k. Where a four hundred one k, when you hit say fifty nine and a half, you have to start depleting it, yeah, and you're taxed at regular rates, your regular income. Where say a dividend account, you get taxed currently fifteen percent, so it's much lower. So. You, honestly, what happens is as you get more advanced and more you age more and you have a certain amount of net worth, it may make sense to start diversifying not only to tax-deferred accounts like 401ks, but into uh, taxable accounts as well. Where I'm, I'm kind of at that point now where if we put too much into our tax-deferred accounts, when we actually retire, it may be to our disadvantage where we have to not only have what's called a retired minimum distribution or RMD, but also get taxed at regular rates where it could put us into a higher tax bracket where, say, a dividend stock at 15% is much lower. Right. It, it gets really... <laughs> this shit gets really complicated. Yeah, I'm already... I mean, and not only that, but there's... I mean, like I said, with ultimately in the article I talk about, there's caveats with each of them. And you should really... Each person's you know, individual tax situation is different, and you should really know what you're looking for for your long-term goals and ultimately figure out you know, what you're trying to say for. Is it yeah. retirement? Is it for a house? Is it for a car? What have you. The one thing I so didn't... I wanna, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead, Matt. No, 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 no go ahead. All right, yeah, so uh, there's this uh, kind of age-old debate that goes on, and it's it's like a, a side conversation to the tax thing where, you know, people want to save for the house or, you know, possibly, I don't know, something that's not... Um, a car, maybe. 55, yeah, a car, yeah. whatever, that, that's not... Vacation, at, like, yeah. Age or, or even college, and, yeah. Yeah, and and the thing is, um, they there's 
you know, logically it makes so much sense to put your money in these tax deferred or tax advantaged accounts. And because, you know, it's like the most efficient way to do it, but then you don't get to touch your money until you're old and wrinkly. And or you have to take a, you know, a loan against your, all those things. Yeah. Or you have to take a loan against it. You know, granted you'll pay yourself interest, but still like it, it's not, you know, so I guess my question to you is like, uh, being that you you do a lot of this stuff, where's that balance? Like, is there should should you have X amount aside before you go like you know balls deep into these tax advantage <laughs> accounts? <laughs> um, I mean, ultimately, I mean, for your demographic and you guys who you listen to your podcast, I would recommend starting definitely tax deferred because you have really nothing. And you're trying to minimize and save for the future. Without question, saving for the future is important. Saving for retirement is important. When you get to a certain point where, I don't know, I'm 43 now, where you have a certain amount of net worth. I mean, ultimately, I talked quite a bit with my accountant on this, and we've discussed where we should probably have an equal weighting of tax-deferred and taxable accounts. And it really depends on your situation, of course. I mean, ultimately, it, it, every person's situation is different. And what you know if your goals are and what you're trying to do. Like, I'm trying to you know, invest more into real estate, so therefore, I should probably have more taxable accounts. Where if I had a tax-deferred account, I can't, it's hard to withdraw that that dollar amount out of it without getting a penalty. Right. So so that's the thing is um, I was all about investing when I was younger because my parents had bought me a little bit of a mutual fund and I would just yeah. became enamored with this stuff. And um, I wound up investing in, in things that were not in an IRA and, and stuff like that be, through ignorance because I, I, I just didn't know. I think if I knew, I would have done that. However, when the time came and the market crashed and Sa- Sandy, blah, 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 it was like the perfect storm and literally. prices were so cheap. <laughs> yeah, literally. Perfect <laughs> two-year storm. anniversary of it as well. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the prices were so cheap, I wound up selling my investments and, and buying a, a condo for my wife and I. But yeah. if it was all in a 401k, I, that wouldn't have been an option for me. Yeah, I mean, so I struggle telling people to go all 401k when I feel like it closes some doors. There, there is some risk involved. I mean, the, the one thing we haven't talked about is there's risk of uh, government changing the rules midstream, which people have talked about as far as, say, Roth IRAs, where currently they're, they're considered when you can withdraw them. There's no penalty. You can hold them, hold them as long as you want, and there's no way. You don't have to have a required minimum distribution where there's discussions within the Congress to possibly change that law. And that's a concern. So where you have to ask, ultimately, I look at it as you have to diversify. Not only diversify, um, you know, with an asset allocation of what stocks and bonds and what have you, but also tax and tax deferred. Mm. I, you know, I've, I've listened to a few of your other podcasts. And, um, you know, there was a few other hosts that just talked about putting everything in tax deferred. And I'm kind of more on the line of let's have some sort of balance. Because of, with taxable, you have the ultimate control. You can determine when to withdraw it where tax deferred especially with required minimum distributions, you have no choice. You, once you hit a certain age, 59 and a half, you have to start, or 70, actually 70 and a half, I should say, you have to start requiring to distribute that 401k. Yeah. And here's and the thing. kind of sucks. Yeah. One of the things that you did not mention, and I'm surprised by, you didn't mention HSAs. Um, well, one is I don't have one available. Sure. <laughs> uh, in my case, I don't have that. So, but um, they're not bad. I think they're a good idea. It's true. I didn't in the article. Don't talk about that. I guess, for lack of really, I don't look at it as an investment. I mean, you sure. could in theory, though. Well, it is a tax deferred account. It's tax deferred, though. But that's true. I mean, I probably should. Uh, update you could also it. invest the balance similar to an IRA. Yes. It, it's not totally. Uh, yeah, it's sort of a hybrid. I mean, 
where I, I guess I consider a 520, and I've considered it in the past, actually, for this article. I should probably update it and put it somewhere, or at least mention it in the yeah. article. But, um, yeah, I, I, I consider it more for, you know, for health reasons than for an investment, where 529 is there's a certain date you know you need to withdraw it, where, you know, a health uh, spending plan count, you pretty much, it's whenever you're really sick and you need it. But so there's, no, the, there's no timeline per se. But at the end of your, uh, there's a, there is a, a cap as far as age yes. is concerned on those. I don't know the age, though. What I don't either. I, I don't remember. I can look it up, though, and I'll put it in the show notes. But the thing is, when I, I'm looking at my situation, which is which is vastly different. I mean, I, I think uh, I like the idea of diversifying between taxable and tax-deferred accounts. Yeah. Right? So right now, I only have a taxable account, which is my brokerage account with Betterment. Uh, but I, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a self-employed person, and so... Pretty much, I'm going to be any money that I made this year. I have to pay in taxes, and I don't know what tax bracket I fall into currently. I well, you're not. an S corp or LLC. I'm an LLC. Yeah, so therefore everything gets pushed down to your individual taxes. Correct. So therefore, yeah, you could. It's possible, you know, to be in the. High, it depends on, of course, your income and all that, but it's possible to be put in the highest income rate. Right. Which is a concern. Where you're obviously it, it makes sense to then start looking at you know solo 401k. And defer those taxes as much as possible because if usually, I mean, not always, but you almost always, most cases, you're put into a lower tax bracket when you retire. Right. So therefore, it at least made sense to put some of it into there. Right. What so, I discussed before was not to put too much where you put you in a higher tax bracket no matter what, and you're forced to require to distribute every year. Right. And here's the thing. So I'm thinking, and and tell me if I'm if I'm crazy in this, and or if I'm just or if I'm headed in the right direction at least, is that. Uh, all of my money right now is in a taxable investment account. I get no tax benefits at the end of the year. Like I, I don't. That's that's really what I don't understand. I guess is my first question is, you know, do I what do I pay taxes on with with the Betterment account that I have? Whatever gains you sell. Well, yeah. no, actually, that's not true. Whatever what happens is there's still little distributions here and there because of their ETFs every year. Yes. Unlike owning a stock, you own right. a stock with no dividends. You don't pay anything until you sell it. Right. With dividends, you pay you know every quarter. There's dividends, so therefore, at the end of the year, you pay the dividends. You pay taxes on those dividends. Right. With an ETF, they're dividends. Even, but even if they're, they're reinvested. Yes. Okay. If they're reinvested, you st- it's still it's considered a taxable event. Okay. With you know something like Betterment that uses ETFs, there's still taxable events during the year because of ultimately they have distributions, dividends. They have capital gains because of the wind up having to buy and sell or or you know ultimately balance your portfolio out as well. So there are taxable events. I mean, ultimately with ETFs, they're minimized, but they're not avoided totally. Sure. So, so therefore, you're best off, yeah, ultimately to minimize your taxes, you're best off to not put them into a taxable account and tax deferred. With that said, you're best to put stocks or individual stocks into a, a taxable account and or uh, stock funds into a taxable account because usually the most tax efficient, where compared to, say, bond funds are usually tax inefficient in a taxable account. Hmm. So I, I'm thinking about taking some money and putting it into a, a maxing out a Roth IRA before the end of the year. It makes sense. I mean, if, if you have no other options, do that. That's the simplest. Yes. that's. A, a, well, a sep- I'm always trying to go for simple. Well, like I said, SEP IRA is pretty simple to set up as well. Okay. Uh, you know, if you have your own company, it's almost a no-brainer to do it. It's not that complicated as a solo 401k, but it's pretty easy to do. Okay. So it's, easy, it so you- it's easier to do than a, four, than a, than a solo 401k. And it has a higher maximum than, a, say, a traditional Roth or, or uh, Roth, either Roth or traditional IRA. Sure. And then, uh, so there's, so I could, I could go a little bit. I could do my Roth IRA. I could do a SEP IRA, 
or solo with 401k. Uh, and then you know, come November 15th of this year, I'm going to sign up for the Affordable Care Act, and I'm going to try to get a high deductible account with an HSA, and I'm thinking about putting money in there as well. What, what we also didn't talk about, let me give you this little little idea. Okay. Really, we're making high income, right? Yeah. It's possible to put up to $250,000 tax deferred with not only your solo 401k, but with a pension plan. You know, those, those old pension plans you used to get, you know, working for a company. You can, yeah. as a company yourself, can create a pension plan and defer those taxes as well. Interesting. And of course, it's, it, it's, it depends on your age. It depends on a lot of other factors. But right. ultimately, a pension plan, you can actually defer up to, it's possible, up to $250,000 per Damn. year with, so with your check pension. Check this out. And, yeah. if, if Matt and I are, are making whatever, with Listen My Matters, hopefully at, at some point we make money. <laughs> Buku uh, bucks, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we could say say if we were good with our own, you know, I have iHeart, he has SWMU, and whatever. We could potentially take all of our earnings and put it into something like this and pay no taxes on it, yet have it invested and be ours. Yes. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, when you own your own business, you have so much, so much more flexibility and options than say working for an employee employee mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as a, as an employee, I should say. Right. Without question, I mean, that's one of the benefits, at least still remaining as a, uh, a business owner. Cool. Yeah, I'm gonna have to start looking into that. I Definitely guess. at the SEP, at minimum the SEP IRA because if you have it's no different than a traditional, and you can you, you can deposit much more depending of course on your salary. It's all based on what you pay yourself as a salary. And I and I can do that through Vanguard and buy Vanguard funds with that. Yes. Cool, because that's exactly what I want to do. But I was thinking uh, just setting up a regular brokerage account with them and just going there. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a fan of uh, Vanguard with their brokerage firm or as far as stock trading, but yeah. as far as Vanguard's funds, they're excellent. Well, yeah, that's what that's kind of. I didn't want to go into individual stock trading. Yeah, well, I mean, some people do. I mean, some yeah. people use their sure their their you know traditional IRA account as a you know yeah <laughs> day trading. Yeah, right, right, right. Because they right. don't pay they don't pay any taxes on the trades. Cool. Damn. Is there any uh, is there anything else that we 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 missed or we need to talk about? No, I mean the the pension stuff gets a little bit more advanced, but sure. that's I think above and beyond the audience. And as far as the the details, ultimately you should, without question, do your four hundred one k first. Go up to at least the matching amount. But the, I mean, the problem nowadays with a lot of four hundred one ks is they're still kind of crappy, and the selections you have available are, are shitty. So therefore, yeah. um, at least do what they if they don't if they do offer matching, do up to the matching amount at least. Yeah, without question. I mean, ultimately, I talk about in my site, do it in twenty percent of your income per year. So you should be saving at least that amount, if if possible. Mm-hmm. So in other words, you should be doing much more than just your four hundred one k. You should be ultimately getting into the taxable accounts like I bonds, you know, tax savings or or what have you. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, in the end, at minimum, take advantage of what you have working for your company. Right. Hear that, Andrew? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I only do whatever they match me with my 401k. The rest has been going into non-taxable for me. In your case, Andrew, do you have a really crappy uh, 401k? Uh, So I do. I used to, at Barclays, they'd match 100%. Now they only match 25%, and it's only up to 6% of my salary. So I just do 6%, and I'm, you know. And the the fund selections are shitty, right? Uh, Yeah, it's it's pretty bad. Yeah, I mean, so... And those type... I mean, you have to weigh it out. You have to figure out... If you're talking about 1% to 2% fees per annual... Then you're probably are better off putting into a four hundred one a IRA instead of the four hundred one k at the next step, mm-hmm. and yeah. not and just going on to the other steps I mentioned because of the it's not tax efficient, but at least you're getting that you know free money so to speak. Right. I mean, if you don't if they don't offer matching, you may want to avoid the first step altogether. 
Yeah, because then it just locks it up and yeah, exactly. I, I, I mean, you're, you're you're trying to ultimately you have to have, be flexible with your approach, right? And like I said, you're trying to you should be, have some sort of mix of taxable and tax deferred. You shouldn't be where I mean, I've even at one point in my life was guilty of this, having so much in tax deferred that you run the risk if you, you say you have an emergency emergency event, you're yeah. totally screwed. Yeah, yeah. And, and what do you do? So, so, so uh, to take that point a little bit further, because I, I really feel that yeah, a lot of people, I think, or maybe maybe Ramsey or whomever will say like everything into the four hundred one k, but I think like that's kind of crazy. So, my question to you would be, like, when? So may, maybe in the beginning you put it all in. What like what is your wealth level where maybe you flip the switch and some starts going into? You know, non-tax advantage. Like, do you wait till you're like 50k net worth? Do you just start immediately? Uh, it's it's hard to say. I mean, everyone's so, different. I only I only ask yeah. you tough questions. That's well, no, yeah. everyone's different, right? So, you, like you had mentioned, there could be that emergency event, or you want to buy a house, and you're like, mm, shit, <laughs> like you all my money's locked up. I mean, you can't anticipate that, sure. you know, because you you'd already made changes in your past. Like, so I'm saying. Is it reasonable for someone who's just starting out to start out with a 401k and a non-tax advantage, like, and not be called an idiot? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not against that at all, as long as you're saving. I mean, ultimately, the big, the biggest problem we have, as far as uh, in our country, is not people not saving enough. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the stats, people are just not saving enough for retirement. So, however you save it, I mean, people. I, I find it funny that people really poo-poo that they don't have available in their company 401k plan, let's say, or, or any type of retirement account. I'm like, well, yeah, but you still should be saving anyways. It doesn't matter if it's, it's mm. I mean, there are some advantages, obviously, in a tax-deferred account, but you still should be saving. It doesn't matter if your, your company offers it or not. I Rile guess the, the thing was not, I mean, I, I, I absolutely, you should be saving, but I would say probably one of the most debated things in, in emails with fans is like this whole, you know, what what is the most correct way to go in? You know, if it's tax advantage or not. And I guess I, I, it, I, it depends. I mean, it, yeah. I'm, I'm t I try to have balance. Where, like you said, there's some people that will say just put it all in tax deferred and not anything in taxable accounts. And I think that's silly as well because of ultimately my fear is also that the government will change the rules midstream, especially if you're in your 20s. You know, you're you're hoping that in 40 years from now when you retire. The rules will still apply, and that's right. kind of foolish. I, th I mean, look at this: how much has changed in the past forty years prior to that? Yeah, where forty years ago, most people were on pensions. There was even four hundred one ks really didn't exist, and only in the past four year, forty years that four hundred one ks were an invention. So, therefore, keep that in mind when you're saving now. That rule, the rules can change, be it government or otherwise. And you should plan appropriately and just have some sort of balance. In yeah, place. don't they keep pushing up the, up the date on when you can withdraw? Well, that's the thing too that you know. There's been discussions too. Of maybe fifty nine and a half needs to be increased. Right. Who knows? You don't, you never know. Yeah. So True. ultimately, and especially if you're talking to anyone who's early retirement, you have no choice. You should be putting in taxable accounts. If you want to retire at say forty, then you should have taxable accounts. Sure. Yeah. Makes sense. Interesting. It's a Interesting. cool. It's a cool. It's a cool discussion. I mean, ultimately, uh, you know, I, I'd say just. Don't invest purely for tax deferment reasons. Invest for just the balance and, and ultimately what your goals are. That's yeah. really what the whole theme is. You should obviously try to maximize your tax deferment, but don't do it for you know, stupid reasons. Yeah. I like it. Uh, so what's going on over at investing, invest, investorjunkie.com? Um, well, I'm in the process of redesigning the site. But with, as far as the 
ultimately we're we're talking about reviews. I mean, a lot of things we talk about are robo advisors that you guys I know talk about quite a bit, especially yeah. Betterment. Uh, we're a big fan of them as well. Yeah. Uh, but we also review all the other uh, robo advisors as well. You know, Future Advisor, Wealthfront, Personal Capital, mm-hmm. and trying to really discuss in detail what what differentiates between them because of there's so many pop. I'm I'm, I'm sure you don't I'm totally aware of this as well. There's so many of them popping up. It's not even funny. Yeah, I know. Every week there's a new. Now, uh, uh, Charles Schwab just announced this past week that they're going to offer robo-advising mm-hmm. um, you know, by uh, January 1st and be free, in fact. Wow. Where you start at $5,000 and you can have an uh, asset allocation from them. Great. It's, I mean, it's great from an from a investor standpoint. It's a great time to be in from a business standpoint on their side. It's kind of hard. But it's, it's really tough comp- uh, competition. Yeah. And then you uh, have the, the podcast. Yes. And uh, when did that start? That started uh, September 1st. Cool. And uh, what do you, is it an episode, how, how many episodes are you guys doing? Uh, we do an episode a week. We're not like, you, we're, not, <laughs> we're not, you're not crazy. Not crazy like you guys every uh-huh. day. Uh, I don't think I could survive. I mean, once, once a month I wind up doing a podcast where I have other panelists as well. Mm-hmm. Do an interview. It's basically a Q&A with a, a guest. And then from there, do a roundtable with the three other panelists, including me. Mm. Uh, four total, I should say. And just go over what we discussed in that uh, interview. Yeah, it's called Money Tree Podcast. <laughs> yeah, MoneyTreePodcast.com. All right, excellent. Uh, and then how can people find you on social media? Investor Junkie is on Twitter. Yep. And on Facebook, it's also Investor Junkie. Are you, are you active in those? Uh, of course, yes. Excellent. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, Larry, thank you for being on the show, man. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. So if you guys have questions, I'm sure you're going to have questions. <laughs> I'm sure. Andrew, you're going to have to be prepared. I'm prepared. Prepared <laughs> for the too. yeah. Prepared for the for the sandy like storm that is going to head your way into the inbox. But you can go to list. <laughs> you can email us at listenmoneymatters at gmail and subscribe to the show on whatever podcasting app that you like because we have an episode every single day. And subscribe to Money Tree Podcast as well. You get some get some diversify your podcast listening. How yes. about that? Uh, and if you really, really like the show, please leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. And I'm going to read a review from Blingo Tokyo from the United States, weird enough. Uh, and the title is Make Informed Financial Decisions Five Stars. I will, I will continue and read this. Uh, the previous podcast reviewer stated that he or she disagreed with the Some Money Matters accuracy. My thoughts are this. Matt and Andrew expand your knowledge base of, fi- base of financial options. When you listen and take into consideration the information they present, you increase your knowledge of programs that can get you out of debt or build wealth faster. I would never ever, I would not ever, I would not ever blindly follow any financial advice, but listening to Listen Money Matters has broadened my perspective and been an inspiration as I made my own personal choices to pay down debt and a lot of debt on an average income. I also listen to Dave Ramsey and have no problems with his perspective either. I'm not handing over my checking account and retirement plan. I'm using various perspectives to make informed financial choices. So that was from Blingo Tokyo. That was really well said. And it was. I agree. Uh, If you guys, uh, we have a website too. You can go to listenmoneymatters.com and you can check out our toolbox, which we've mentioned uh, a few of the things we talked about here. Vanguard, Betterman, uh, you you'd mentioned a few, Larry. I, uh, Wealthfront, personal capitals in there. Uh, but, yeah, go to listenmoneymatters.com slash toolbox and you can see those things in there. We'll probably we're gonna be adding more and we're going to be uh, curating, and that's where you can find all the things that we talk about here on the show. And I wanna also mention real quick this uh, charity event 
that we are part of, and we are actually going up against Stacking Benjamins podcast to raise money for cancer research. Uh, Joe from Stacking Benjamin, his son, is taking a 4,500-mile bike ride from Austin, Texas to Anchorage, Alaska to raise money for cancer research. That's it? That's it? (laughs) Just 4,500 miles? (laughs) 72 days worth of just crazy biking? Uh, And you can go to listenmoneymatters.com slash Texas4000. That will take you to the Texas4000 page where you can uh, donate some money. And we are. Uh, what you're gonna have to do is when you when you put in who you're riding for, who you want them to ride for, type in "Listen Money Matters," put in your donation. We are actually competing with Stacking Benjamins to raise more money than them. Then we want to do that. Uh, I mean, we're obviously more charitable than they are. Yeah, we just sure. need to prove it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, we're so just go ahead and do that. Again, it's listenmoneymatters.com/slash/Texas4000. And we also want to uh, pay a big thank you to Betterment as being our first sponsor. So thank you to Betterment, and uh, thank you again to Larry. So I really appreciate you being on the show, man. Thank you, guys. All right. Thanks again for hanging out with us. And, of course, we look forward to the next episode. Later, Andrew. Later, Matt. Please tell your friends about this show.